0: Warning, there will be more F-words other than food on this episode of The Food Podcast. This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. When I was 19, I got a job at a bar called The Seahorse. It was one of those dark basement bars that smelled of smoke and stale beer. The staff were gritty and the patrons were the kind of people who loved a rolled cigarette with their pint. The stone walls of The Seahorse had a dampness about them, The wooden floorboards were worn down by decades of drunk patrons stumbling through the bar. And for years, there was only a men's bathroom. That summer, I was rowing competitively. I had a day job as a receptionist, and I hadn't worked at a bar before. But the promise of tips made this job sound pretty sweet. So I walked in on my first night, white men's seahorse shirt tucked into Levi's, my hair in a ponytail. Mac was working behind the bar, He was intimidating in a Hells Angels kind of way. He looked at me, then turned to the other servers and said, Who the fuck hired the Ivory Girl? It was true. My face was fresh. Perhaps even dewy from all that rowing. My teeth, white and straight from years of braces, probably glowed down in that basement. F-bombs weren't really part of my life. My dad said, oh, chicklets, when he was really mad. But I've always been a cook. I know that bland needs spice, just as spice needs bland. They help each other. That summer I heard the word fuck in all its forms. Fucked, motherfucker, fuck that. Holy fuck, clusterfuck, abso fucking Fuck around, fuck up, fuck face, fuck me, squad. Over the years, those words haven't woven their way into my daily vernacular. Who's kidding who? I'm still scrubbed pretty clean. It's just who I am. But I'll pull out chicklets when I fucking need it. On this episode of The Food Podcast, the team behind Thug Kitchen shares how they've used their F-bomb-fueled, verbally abusive tone to inspire thousands to embrace a plant-based diet. And what the hell, I'll talk to another self-proclaimed cusser. Her name is Emily Thompson. She's the co-host of Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. She totally believes that being true to yourself is essential in life and online. There's a lot more for her to share, but let's get to the thugs. All right, I'm cracking open Thug Kitchen's first book, Thug Kitchen, Eat Like You Give a Fuck, to page 78. It's one of my go-to recipes. It reads, yellow split pea and green onion lettuce wraps. Tired of boring-ass lettuce wraps? Us too. Try these crunchy fuckers out and remember why it's fun to eat with your hands. So that's a typical recipe by Michelle Davis and Matt Holloway, the couple behind Thug Kitchen. Michelle says her spirit animal is...
1: Definitely a basket full of kittens. No question at all.
0: Matt and Michelle are the sweet and the spicy mixed together into one flavorful team. A team they call Thug Kitchen. She develops recipes. He photographs them. They have their blog and they've published two cookbooks and another one is in the works. And they have a huge fan base. They thank Gwyneth Paltrow for that. She dropped their name on Rachel Ray and overnight they were famous. She opened the door, but I'd say their badass work ethic and really great recipes kept that door open. Despite the fame, they're kind of secretive. Their names aren't advertised on the books or the blog, so this is all a bit of a spoiler alert. They're 20-something, they're a couple, and they live in L.A. I met them briefly at the Devour Food Film Fest. It was a stand-and-chat-and-eat-Nova-Scotian-food kind of affair. I was balancing lobster poutine, and they were eating apples. They exuded this L.A. health and happiness. And there were so many questions I had, but so little time. How did two people with the same passion for healthy eating and the same potty mouth find each other?
2: We were at SFO uh, Airport, and I saw her get off the subway. It sounds like a really bad romantic comedy, but yeah.
1: Listen, I had jorts on. I looked like a hot mess at the airport. Yeah, but,
2: <laughs> but to a man from Texas wearing jean shorts, it's like, oh, that's a woman right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, he tried to give me a tray in the security line, and then uh, he asked me out of baggage claim.
0: And now they're Thug Kitchen. I asked them what they wanted to be when they were little. Was the dream always to lead a thug life?
1: I wanted to be a painter for a hot second. And then I realized, because everyone told me as an eight-year-old, like, you can't do that.
2: Yeah, there's a... Is that that room for your artwork past the fridge.
1: I wasn't really sure. I was just trying to kind of figure out my life. I was always a cook. That's because I'm a real passionate eater. So I want things just the way I fucking want them. So (laughs) by no means. Did I ever think that I would be cooking in any semblance of a professional level? Matt and I don't come from places where you have a career, kind of like we're crafting for ourselves. You know, you have a job, you work at a grocery store, or you work the front desk at like a, a real estate place, or you're a garbage man. Being able to say that I write books and run a food blog for a living sounds like the most made up shit anyone in my town has ever heard of.
2: Yeah, dude, if I heard that, I would hate me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you mean you just cook all day and then write about it and take photos? Cool. I know, just fucking come and murder me, it's
2: fine. I actually wanted to be a veterinarian and that quickly went away when we had to put down a dog. It was our Doberman that we I had had since like, I was a kid. And I was like, fuck no, I can't do that for a living. Oh no. So after that, I really wanted to be somehow involved in entertainment. I remember leaving like movies as a kid and just being like, I don't know what the fuck that job is but if I can somehow be involved, like, I'll sweep the floors for y'all. And um, I moved out from Texas uh, seven years ago to L.A. And then that's exactly what I started doing. I started sweeping floors, got a job in the mailroom and just kind of worked my way up from there. And, you know, entertainment industry is a fucking hustle. But I never thought that seven years ago, living in Texas, I'd move to L.A. and write fucking cookbooks for a living.
0: Or vegan cookbooks for that matter. Michelle has been a vegetarian since she was a kid. She says she didn't have the mental capacity to separate animals that were the hero of all the movies she watched and the terrible pork chops her mom was serving. She became vegan when she left for college. Matt's been vegan for four years or so and vegetarian for a few years before that. We mentioned he was from Texas, right?
2: Being vegetarian really wasn't that difficult. And then going vegan, I I just... uh, It was more like a selfish issue. I had like really bad heartburn and indigestion. I went to my doctor and he was giving me like prescription medication for it. I was like, dude, like I'm in my mid 20s. Why the fuck am I having this problem? I did it selfishly for health reasons. But, you know, I've I've worked in animal shelters and I I love animals. So that's one of the many, many reasons that I, I went and stayed vegan.
0: But they don't brand themselves as vegan. And I think that's really interesting. I wonder why they made that decision.
2: I think it's the connotation. When I was going vegan, I found that it was more relatable to say, just like plant-based. Cause when you think of vegan, like the, you immediately, you're like, oh, you're a fucking like crunchy hippie who, you know. is insufferable. Yeah, who just gets mad at everyone for everything. And you know, it's just like all these like horrible fucking connotations that are so alienating. Like healthy eating, whether it's vegan or not, is alienating. But then adding the word vegan on top of that, people are like, fuck no. And they run the other direction.
1: And the other reason we don't use it is, of course we'd love if everyone went vegan. That's not our goal. We want people to eat more vegetables. So if you're cooking our food a couple nights a week, and then you're eating meat the rest, fine. If you're adding chicken to our recipes, fine. You're still eating more vegetables. And so that's more important to me than trying to force anything on anyone. Yeah. I, I want to just meet people where they're at.
0: On the THUG website, they write, everyone deserves to be part of a push towards a healthier diet, not just people with disposable incomes who speak a certain way. I asked them if they have felt alienated from healthier diet conversations. Absolutely.
2: I remember specifically when I was going vegan from vegetarian that Michelle, who's this OG vegan, was kind of shepherding my diet and was like, hey, here's some of the popular like chefs, Here are some of the popular blogs, and you should check them out. I really had a hard time identifying these people. Michelle and I come from very working class families, and we don't have disposable incomes, we don't have these big ass houses, Like we don't even have time to cook, because you know at the time I was working two jobs. I cooked. I was like, dude, fuck these people. And, and Michelle agreed with me. She's like, yeah, as long as I've been vegan, I've never felt welcome to the culture of veganism.
1: Or And, not, and it's not specific to veganism. It's healthy eating in general. I worked at a grocery store for eight years. It was like a, a kind of a health food grocery store chain. And the way we ate as employees there was so shitty compared to everyone who was shopping there because we couldn't afford it. I found all these different hacks and different ways to cook vegetables and beans and rice in an affordable way for my $23,000 a year here in Los Angeles. But it's not something that comes naturally to a lot of people. And I didn't feel like Matt and myself and the people I worked with at the grocery store and all the people we've ever worked with in our retail jobs were given a place to talk about their experience with trying to eat healthy and the kinds of stuff they want to see in healthy food because they couldn't vote as much with their dollar as an individual.
0: Eating well can be alienating. I know Martha Stewart paints a life of perfection. Food blogs edit out the mess and highlight only the beauty. I am guilty of that. And strangely, my local health food store selling organic, happy groceries is full of the grumpiest, most emaciated, furrowed-brow customers I have ever seen. Tone can also be alienating, though. Matt and Michelle have chosen to be their authentic selves online, We've heard how they talk and how they write, and they've been heavily criticized for this. And I ask how the criticism affects them. Do thugs get their feelings hurt? That's the
1: part of working on the internet.
2: I've been called worse things working at Gap. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, <laughs> that's
2: that, true. So. We've had
1: worse shit said to our faces in customer service jobs. So.
2: Yeah, so, so being mean to me on the internet is not going to shake me.
1: That's how we talked at the loading dock at the fucking grocery store. That's how we talk in the kitchen at any restaurant we've ever worked at. It's how regular folks goof around and talk to each other in casual settings.
2: I've always noticed like all the jobs I've had. I mean, I've I've worked like construction, like I've done just a lot of really weird, odd jobs. You know, I worked in restaurants and I know that there's that sort of tone and conversation that you guys have when you're back in the kitchen, not in front of the- Yeah, back you know, of the
1: house versus front
2: of the house. Right, yeah. you know, you're not in front of the restaurant patrons and stuff like that. And the tone and the way that everybody talks to each other is very much like natural, very, you know, conversational. And then you get out in sort of the professional side and you're in front of the patrons and you get very, very professional and you change language, you change the way you stand, you change everything about the way you present yourself. And I noticed that food culture was kind of doing that same thing with healthy eating, but nobody was super casual about it. And I didn't understand that.
1: It's alienating to have the same kinds of people telling you you need to do better when they have $100,000 to throw at the problem and seemingly no job.
2: Plus a lot of those motherfuckers are trained for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they also, they they talk in a way that makes you A, fall asleep or B, you're like, I don't know anybody like this. Like how the, I can't do this shit.
3: Oh, man, I love Thug Kitchen. Whenever I found them on Facebook a couple of
0: years ago, was immediately powerfully attracted.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And it's because of the language they use.
0: That's Emily Thompson, co-host of Being Boss. It's one of the podcasts that I am admittedly devoted to. She and her co-host, Kathleen Shannon, are all about encouraging listeners to blend who you are with what you do and to be more boss while you're doing it. Emily is also the founder of Indie Shopography, a web and strategy design firm. The header of her newsletter reads, Indie Tactics, an email newsletter for creative
3: entrepreneurs who want to kick some business ass.
0: Way back on the Being Boss podcast, I think it was episode 10, Emily and Kathleen talked about personal branding. And my big takeaway was the importance of having a brand that attracts or repels as fast as possible. That way, whoever you attract is the right match for you and your brand. There's nothing like having the word ass in your header to filter out those you want and those you don't want. I was quoted and
3: like it was made into an awesome like artsy graphic by one of our listeners once on Being Boss. I think it's something along the lines of like all of my emotions come on a scale of A to F-bomb. And so for me, communicating the passion that I have sometimes requires an F-bomb. And so for me, seeing Thug Kitchen, dropping words like they do just spells passion. It spells this deep appreciation for what they do and this desire to adequately communicate that desire to everyone else. I was totally attracted. I think it's genius and I love them for it.
0: So on a scale of eh to F-bomb... For Emily, I'd say Thug Kitchen gets an F-bomb.
1: The book has sold so well and so many people have reached out to us giving praise to the book and like our tone and being grateful. So we really do think the sum total of everything is way better than a couple people being pissed off.
2: For every one person that doesn't like the language of what we're doing. More people come after us just for being plant-based. Like people read our shit and they're like, there's no bacon. And we're like
1: <laughs> that damn bacon lobby.
2: But for every like one person who doesn't really like what we're doing or they take issue with it, there's a hundred people who have engaged with it and they're sending us emails and they're saying nice things. They're cooking for themselves more. They're feeling better about their diet. You know, their kids are more engaged with their food. It sucks that when a small group of people are saying a bunch of shitty things it outweighs all the positive things that are happening.
1: Yeah, it sucks, like, in uh, articles... You know, they'll be like the controversial authors. I'm like, how about the number one New York Times best-selling authors, motherfuckers?
3: Yeah. (laughs) I got their cookbook for Christmas. I got it for my partner, David, but it was really for myself. It sits in my kitchen, like in my like special collection of cookbooks that stay in my kitchen, not in my library. And it's the one that most people pick up. I feel the same way. Like, if I'm going to keep this in my kitchen where everyone can see it, and if I have more neighbors and friends and whatever, come pick it up and read through it, and I'm like, hey, you see that, you know, meat-free whatever awesomeness that's in there, like read the description because hysterical. And two, let's try it out and feed you some vegetables because God knows you need them.
0: (laughs) A little while ago, I attended a conference in New York City hosted by Cherry Bomb magazine. The Hemsley sisters spoke at the event. They're cookbook authors and TV hosts from the UK. And their passion is for colorful, healthy, health-giving food. They told the audience how they had to fight with their publisher to include the word gut in their first book. I, I can only imagine what Matt and Michelle had to fight for.
1: Our first book says anal leakage in it.
0: <laughs> we try every book that we're like,
2: oh, the, you know, the copy editor's not going to see this. <laughs> when we were shopping the first book for like bids, all the calls we were taking, everybody was like, you know, Hey, it's great. We love what you do. But to do a cookbook, it can't be all vegan. It can be vegetarian, but it can't be vegan. And also you can't swear in it because nobody will stock it. Vegan cookbooks don't sell, so nobody will buy it. It can be vegetarian. And if you swear, then nobody will shelve your book. Right off the bat, even before we did the book, people were like, hey, we love what you do, but change everything. And we were like, we can't do that. So we were under the impression that we just wouldn't do a book. But then our U.S. publisher here, Rodell, they really took a risk on us. And they were like, hey, you know, we know that, you know, we're not the best bid for you guys, but we really trust what you're doing and we're not going to change what you're doing. We were a risk for them. And I think that it, it certainly paid off for them.
1: Yeah, they were very supportive and they understood the brand in a way that other publishers didn't. So we really appreciated that. But I mean, we still get tons of problems for the swearing. Like we can't advertise or boost any of our posts on uh, Twitter or Facebook or any of that shit because of the swearing. Like we can't even pay to advertise any of that shit. So all of our growth has been 100% organic because nobody would even take our money.
0: Emily gets it.
3: She has been there. We all sort of have our little roadblocks, but I think it's even more admirable when we can overcome those. So, yeah, it sucks. I, you know, agree. I don't think that words like that should be put in front of people if they don't want them. I surely believe in like, you know, sort of not like censorship by any way, but like, I don't know, just having that stuff in your feed. I would imagine the kickback that Facebook would get (laughs) if they allowed that to happen. But I do believe in overcoming those. And I think that uh, Thug Kitchen has absolutely blown my mind with what they can do and what they've done, despite having this hugely attracting slash repelling brand in the face of curse words, censorship, which I still think is ridiculous, but whatever.
0: Michelle's favorite cookbook growing up was Molly Katzen's Moosewood, I cook from that book way back when, when I was a nanny for a vegetarian family, and the font looks like it's been handwritten by by Molly herself. The recipes are wholesome, they're gloopy, they're brown, but they taste so good. There's something magical about it. It's almost like it's her journal that she's sharing with you.
1: That was probably one of the first cookbooks I ever kind of used by myself. My mom had joy of cooking that I would kind of leaf through whatever. But the first thing I ever felt any ownership over and really kind of cooked my way through was Moosewood.
0: And
2: when I went vegan, Michelle gave me her copy of Moosewood. It's a little hippie, but...
1: (laughs) But it's the best!
2: She was like, there's a lot of good shit in here.
1: Yeah, and a lot of this stuff you can really mess with and make it vegan. I know it's like cheese and butter heavy because it was the 70s, but you can have fun with it. And even just like the font itself lets you know that you're in somebody's kitchen and then I'm going to hold your hand through this shit.
0: That's what we all want. Someone to hold our hands, someone to teach us how to cook. Someone who's firm but kind. So this is a call out to Molly Catson. Did you have to fight for that font? Were those vegetarian recipes radical at the time? And P.S. Michelle wants to meet you.
1: My little baby cook heart just felt so safe with her. (laughs) The girl knows what the fuck she's talking about. And if I ever met her, I would probably cry.
0: Matt and Michelle leave me with five pearls of wisdom they've acquired since Thug Kitchen exploded across the internet. This is the stuff they learned since they've been able to leave their day jobs and focus full time on Thug Kitchen. Number one.
1: Working in this industry now, this idea of perfection comes across all the time and just know that everybody fucks up and nobody knows shit. Our photos are on coffee tables with tile we bought at Home Depot. So it looks like we have a nice-ass kitchen, we fucking don't.
2: We shot the first book in a kitchen that's, I don't know, like five by five. Yeah,
1: it was one of those apartment stoves too. It wasn't even a full oven. The
2: idea of perfection is a fucking facade. Yeah,
1: it's bullshit. Don't believe anyone who tries to set themselves up on a pedestal as an example. You pick, don't let other people
0: pick themselves. And number two.
2: One of the things that I think that this whole experience has taught me is that food really unites all of us. I think that there's a lot of common ground to be found, you know, in food. Nobody argues on a full stomach, so we should all just fucking
0: sit down and eat. Number three.
1: Another thing this experience has taught us is to be even more empathetic. There are real people on the other side of those fucking usernames on the internet, and you don't know who's having a real fucked up day. Try to be kinder to each other. We'll all just get along better.
0: Number four.
2: Trying new shit. Like I said, being from Texas and trying to go vegetarian or vegan Especially being a guy. When other guys hear that you're switching away from meat and then no animal products whatsoever, somehow that's like a hit against your masculinity. I don't understand why. I really think that trying new shit builds character and I I encourage people to do it.
0: And lastly, number five.
1: Not all success is preordained. I feel so often that when you hear about these other bloggers or writers or food personalities or whatever, they act like it was just hard work that got them there. Bull fucking shit. Like, we're all working hard. I was working hard at the grocery store, and you know what, I got fucking nothing. Luck is a huge part of it. We got very lucky. Somebody cracked the door open for us and we shoved our fucking foot in with hard work. So you need to be prepared to do the hard work and you need to be working hard. But, you know, fortune does have to smile on you, and people need to be more honest about that.
0: Janet Jackson said that her name got her through the door, but her talent kept that door open.
1: Damn straight. Damn straight.
2: She's the fucking boss.
1: Yeah, So no, and and that's exactly right. I just, I get so irritated when people act like it was just effort that got them there. What about all the other hardworking people? You can't make people look at your work. It sometimes just has to happen and just be ready for when they do.
0: Amen, sister. I'm going to say the recipe for their success is hard work plus luck, but passion as well. Passion makes a person test recipes and upload blog posts after a long day working at a grocery store. Passion makes you fight to keep your authentic voice. Passion gives you the confidence to be okay with repelling people. It's passion that inspires you to put yellow split peas in a f***ing lettuce cup. You can find Michelle Davis and Matt Holloway at thugkitchen.com and Emily Thompson at beingboss.club. Thank you, Michelle, Matt, and Emily, for being so honest, so authentic, and so very boss. Please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. I would be so grateful. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at The Food Podcast or like us on The Food Podcast Facebook page. And please send along any feedback to thefoodpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thanks to Jen Grant for our amazing theme song. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsey Cameron Wilson.